Hey friends, I just stopped by to tell you about what's going on in my writing life. I've completed the prequel to my novel, A Fifth of the Story. I'll tell you about that later, but A Fifth of the Story is actually debuting February 27th, 2024. It's coming out through Endgame Press and the imprint Harambee. Really excited about working with the folks over there. And I'm loving this novel so much that I decided to continue to be friends with the characters and just let them live out their lives in the next couple of books. More on that. One of my favorite characters is Brock O'Reilly. He's a deeply layered character. And if you know me, you'll know that I'm a born storyteller and I write with a fine touch. I've got a sharp eye for detail. That's why I I like to ask a lot of questions, but I've got a real firm grasp on the complexity of human relationships and also the delicacy of the intel agency and how they operate. But Brock is someone who is really sophisticated, really smart, really into his friendships and protective about them and the people he loves, but he's got a really dark secret that he hopes no one finds out about. And when you read the book, you'll find out why he wants no one to know. Throughout this novel, there are also people that I absolutely adore. There's Shugs, there's Pang, there's Patty, there's Dr. Harper, there's Snake, who he's a bad guy. But looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this novel and I can't wait to get it out there because it's with incredible empathy and candor that I tackle lots of issues in my, in, in my novel. I tackle race and privilege and prejudice and justice and compassion and secrecy and loyalty, all that rich stuff. So can't wait to share a fifth of the story with the world. Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. Well, I'm excited for our guest today. She comes to us from across the sea, um, close to where I was born. Not quite, but she'll let you She'll tell us all about that. And I had the honor of meeting her through Mickey Mickelson, who is a publicist with Creative Edge. Um, And her name is Catherine McCarthy. So let me tell you a little bit about my new author friend. Um, So it looks like she lives in an old Welsh farmhouse and she spins tales with macabre melodies. Her previously... um, published work includes the collection Miss and Megalith and the novella Immortal, um, which is with Off Limits Press, as well as short fiction in various anthologies and magazines. She is going to tell us a bit about this publishing journey that it will blow your mind. And I'm so sorry for those of you who are traditionally published like me and 
you it takes like a while. Maybe, you know, if you get a contract 2022, your book might not come out until 2024. <laughs> and then even if you've got 5 million books written, you may have to, if you're with that same publisher, you may have to wait a year. And okay, you know how it goes. Now, Catherine has pulled off the impossible. Okay. So she's got like books coming out. Bang, 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 bang. Um, a, go- a gothic novel. It's called A Moonlit Path of Madness. That's with Nose Touch Press. A novella, Mosaic, Dark with Dark Heart Books. And a YA novel, The Wolf and the Favor with Bridges Gate Press. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Catherine on in. And um, she's going to tell us how quickly these books all came out. Please, Catherine, I'm so glad you're here. Spill the tea. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Catherine, for inviting yeah. me to your podcast today, and I'm really thrilled to be here. Yeah. Um, it is. A, it has been a bit of a crazy year. Last year, if we go back to 2022, it was kind of the year of the anthology for me, because yeah. I actually, my, my short stories made it into uh, at least 10 quite well-known anthologies, and at wow. the same time, I was writing longer fiction, but this year, as you said in the introduction, I've, I'm I've published or, you know, just about to publish the third, actually, three longer pieces of work, you know, so it's been a bit crazy. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's, yeah, that's quite a feat. And uh, some of us are a little, we're happy for you, but we're a little jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so um, you and I share, we share a common background where we both come out of a, a um, background of ed- education. You, you're a school teacher, um, yes. but now you're in an author community. So do you have other author friends and how do they help you become a better writer? Yeah, um, I do have a lot of online author friends. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in the real world, I don't have anyone who's really interested in writing. I have a few friends who read now and again but nobody really that I can talk to about this at all other than my husband um but online yes I've made loads of loads and loads of friends and they really have made such a difference I mean I can give a shout out to I I don't really like to name people specifically because I'm always afraid that I'll miss someone out but my fellow Bridget's Gate authors have been fantastic they're a real friendly and supportive bunch um particularly Steph Ellis and um Kev Harrison but yeah. but all of them have been lovely and then the same goes for Dark Heart and Nose Touch Press you know yeah. we keep in touch with with each other um, and then I my first sort of real uh, well kind of online friend was one of the first was Tim McGregor he's a Canadian author oh, and okay. we were both published by um the the, the, the novella that you mentioned earlier Immortel yeah. was published by Off Limits Press who are an American publisher yeah so we both had novellas published with Off Limits and we okay. kind of very similar so we beta read for each other so if we've got something that we've finished we will send each other our work and what's really good about you know, Tim and my my relationship is that we we've actually found each other in the sense that we can critique each other's work. So yes. you know, because it's important to find someone on your journey 
you're not really there to look for someone who's just going to flatter you or say how much they like your work. It's important to find someone who you trust and sort of sing from the same hymn sheet with, but someone who will pick up little things that you could improve. And it's hard to find that relationship. But with Tim, I actually have found it. And I think he feels the same with me. So when we read each other's work, we can pick up little things. For example, um, just off the top of my head, one of his books included some dialogue from a four-year-old child. Yeah. This is just, you know, example. And like, yeah. as a primary school teacher, I knew that the dialogue was a little yeah. bit above their age range. So yeah. just little things like that, you know. Yeah. So those things are important. But yeah, yeah, loads and loads of online friends. And they oh, are that- invaluable. Yes. And hey, listen, girl, I love shout outs. I don't think we do it enough. You know, we people, people should be, um, they should be honored for their input because many times we take people for granted and I hate that. And so I love that you specifically named people, um, publishing houses. And it's true. You people, you, these online communities are amazing. I I just returned from a thriller writers con- conference called Killer Nashville run by Clay Stafford. Yeah. There it is. A shout out. Fantastic guy. Well done conference over there in Tennessee. And um, I was pleased to meet people I had only met online. And it's as if we were friends already. Um, and yeah. you have your, yeah, you have your built in peeps, you know? And so I just love that you pointed out, yeah, this is my community. We're online, but we are our, our relationship is very real and really yeah. valuable, especially if you can be each other's beta readers and you can you can help each other before things go to your, you know, to the editor or to the publishing house right. and they can help you. Yeah. I I want yeah. to um okay, so first of all, your website is killer, no pun intended. It is so <gasps> fun and creepy. Oh, and class. it's classy. Oh my gosh. People just get on if, you know, especially during Halloween season and all that, just get onto her website. It is just so well done. Um, Thank you very much. And you're, even though you're, you're um, books there with different publishing houses, the covers are so intriguing yes. and it just makes you want to open that book up and covers are so important. But there is one, yes, there's one book I do want to ask about. It's a myth, yeah. myths and megaliths. And yeah. you, um, there, that book in particular had covers several different settings and locations. Um, so there's like a cemetery, there's a remote fishing lake, there's a nursing home. I don't know. There's something about dark fantasy and and things that are horror or scary and nursing homes, you know, you just think about all kinds of creepy things. Uh, yeah. So tell us what made you, what made you go there and include these settings and locations? Okay. Um, Miss Megaliths is a few years old now. I think I published it in 2021. My yeah. husband made the cover for that one, actually. Oh, um, it's a collection of, I think it's 10 short stories. Uh-huh. Um, and they're all set in Wales. So that's the sort of common theme. Like you said, lots of different settings, um, lots of different characters. Some of the stories have been published elsewhere in various anthologies. For yeah. example, um, the last one in the collection is called Carrick Samson. Uh-huh. And Carrick Samson is actually a megalithic standing stone that um, is perched above the sea, not far from where I live. 
Wow. Um, and I wrote the story of Carrick Samson from the point of view of the actual stone. Yeah. As if the stone was telling the story of all the past things that he's seen and the changes that he's seen. But right. the stone has a heart and he falls in love with a girl who comes and sits by, you know, beside him and reads and sort of, that sounds really strange, I know. But no, it's cool. something <laughs> devastating happens and I, I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. Um, that story was published in a charity anthology, Diabolica Britannica, to raise funds for COVID. So that was at the huh. same time as COVID came out. And then the other one that you, you mentioned, um, the story in a nursing home. I wrote that story in memory of an uncle of mine who unfortunately had a very bad stroke. Huh. And he ended up in a nursing home for six years before he died. Uh, so it's from the point of view of an ex-coal miner, because I came originally from South Wales Valleys, oh. where coal mining was, you know, the employment, really, when I was a child. Huh. Now, there's a little sort of um, mystery that goes with the coal mining in Wales, that yeah. there are little sort of impish characters who live underground. They, they are called the Kublanai. And yeah. they they are, think of them as sort of Okay. Now Goodness. Yeah. Mm hmm. Wow. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, that's incredible. I'm just going to pause here because of a technical thing. Um, just refresh your browser because um, it will prevent recording. Yeah, just refresh your, your browser.
Okay. Okay. All right. No worries. Um, it happens. Okay. So that, yeah. that is such an incredible story. I'd never heard of that. That is, that is so terrible. The, so what I'm hearing you say is it was basically like a landslide of coal and it, yes. it killed all of the, it killed all of these teachers and children. Yeah. And now, now have it, you heard of the, sorry, yeah. have you heard of the Netflix series, The Crown, that yes. goes through the royal family in Britain? Well, it, it actually, the, the, the disaster, the Aberfan disaster featured on the latest series of that, where the Queen was reluctant to go and visit the disaster at first. And when she did, she actually cried in public. So oh. that is, if you if you ever or anyone who watches that series, I think it's season three, yeah, or four possibly, whichever yeah. was the last one, the Abbott disaster that I'm referring to, featured on that series. Thank you for saying that because that is on my list to binge The Crown. Uh, so yeah, that is so cool that you said that, and I love when we have this intersection of fantasy and fiction, and we cross it with something that's actually happened and. We can take something dark and make and bring some light lightness to it and some yeah. kind of, we can resolve it. Yeah. Um, and that it does make us, it's more satisfying. So, wow, that is powerful. It's heavy, but when done well, <laughs> when done well, um, it can, it can definitely bring that level of satisfaction, like that hope, you know, because the last thing we want yes. to leave our readers with is like complete hopelessness. That's, <laughs> that's so good. Oh my gosh. So now for, for your books, um, how, and this would be, this is interesting because then you, you also deal with multiple publishers. Do, do you, yeah. do you look at, I know you do short stories, but do you look at your books as standalone projects or are you looking at some of them as series, as part of a series? Yeah. Um, no, I'm not a series writer, okay. right. and I don't think I ever could be. Yeah. I tend not to read series either, but okay. that you know is partly because I just don't don't have time to stick to what you know one yeah. set of books because as indie authors as well, we help each other out by reading each other's books. Yeah. But um, I would say that my, vo my voice, my writing voice echoes yeah. through all my books. So mm. I think uh, I have a lot of people say to me, oh, I, I can tell that's your work, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't have the singularity of mind to stick to a series. My, my thoughts tend to go elsewhere. Yeah. Though sometimes I have written short stories on a few occasions, actually, and then developed them into a longer piece of fiction. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, you know, I love that you talked about your voice when you have a distinctive voice that now I can't, I don't ever talk about it because it's unethical, but I judge a lot. I'm, I'm in the back end where I judge a lot of contests and there's some authors, yeah. I know their voice so well, and I can't say anything to them, but I'm reading their work. Yeah. And I can't really prove it because it, they're all blind. To, like you as, um, as a judge, you can't know who that person is. But yes, their voice yes. is so distinctive and strong. I'm like, I know who that is. I know yeah. her voice or his voice. And that is, yeah. such, um, that is such an honor for someone to say that your voice is distinctive because that uniqueness is what sets you apart from lots of people. And that's, that's yes, a, yeah. a high compliment. Um, so how, oh, what, thank you. yeah, so how, how about 
um, after you published your first book, did that change anything about your approach to writing? Did it help you become better or did you stay the same? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the first book, I, I wrote my first novel. It was a, a, a middle grade novel uh-huh. called The Gatekeeper's Apprentice while I was still teaching. Though as a teacher yourself or a former teacher yourself, you will know how much how time demanding the profession yeah. is. So I, I, I've done most of my writing since leaving the profession. <laughs> but I actually wrote and, yeah, and self-published that one while teaching. And I was completely green you know, I, I don't know if you use that term in America, but over yeah. here that means completely ignorant. Yes. I had no idea. I thought that once you just put your book up there, it would just automatically sell. Yeah. And goodness me, was I so wrong, you know. I had no I, I had no clue about the marketing you needed to do, the relationships you needed to develop, none of that. So even though that was 2015, so eight years ago, wow. um, I do feel that I've come an awful long way since right. then, you know, in yeah okay that's okay that's good to know now there are some there are some um pieces that i'm interested in so there is and and hopefully i know it was written well it's not that long ago but um so there are some pieces that i just want to know what what motivated you to write this so there's a story a short story you wrote called the tooth fairy and that sounds light-hearted we're thinking oh tooth fairy children's tale and and all of that um, but this is about a dentist who becomes obsessed <laughs> with keeping his patient's teeth together. Yes. Oh my goodness. How did that get dark? And what um, motivated you to write that? I'm going to really <laughs> through my memory now to remember this story. I think it was published by Dark Recesses Press. Yes, it was. If I remember yeah. in one of the magazines. Um, it's, it's a few years old. I've got a very dark sense of humour. It tends to be a Welsh thing. Yeah. We're very, like, open-hearted, but we are quite dark and cynical as well. Yeah. Um, I don't, can't remember where the actual idea came from, but yeah. it is, as you say, it's about... A dentist named Ivo, which is a Welsh name, I-V-O-R, Ivo Brace. So Ivo Brace uh-huh. is a bit of a, a joke. Thing. Yeah. And he, he, he <laughs> as you say, he, he collects people's teeth, his patient's teeth. Yeah. And he buys this little antique cabinet with, oh, good grief. I think, are they, am I right in saying there are 32 teeth in, in an adult's mouth? Is it 32? Sounds, sounds right to me. Sounds good to me. I'm <laughs> well, sure dentists will this, correct us. <laughs> this little cabinet he, he has with, has little wooden slot, slots in, and every time he keeps a tooth, he puts one, that's a Welsh thing as well, by the way, sorry, tooth. We say tooth instead of tooth. Yeah. Um, he puts the tooth into the slot, and the next morning... He discovers this as a student, first of all. The tooth fairy has visited him overnight and left a little gift under his pillow that's to do with that person. Oh. So, um, for example, his first patient was a kidney, a a child who'd had a kidney transplant. Yeah. And so his first gift from the tooth fairy was a kidney donor donor card. And he, he just couldn't believe the connection there. So it all sort of stems from there. He wait unfortunately though, one day he wakes up. He try he tries to sort of imagine what is patient that he took the tooth from what would have been they a thing that they really wanted in life yeah and so he wishes to the tooth fairy that that is what she would bring him 
But unfortunately, one day, one morning, he ends up with a tattoo with something like I love Johnny written on his thigh because that was what his female patient was really wanting. So it's quite sort of comical, but there's a very dark ending when he buys himself an antique dentist chair. Yeah. And the real tooth fairy, who is not lighthearted at all, appears in the middle of the night and removes all his teeth. Oh my gosh, didn't see that coming, right? And who would have who would think that the tooth fairy was bad? Oh my oh gosh. Well ho- hopefully kids won't read that one, but um No, it's it's not a children's story. <laughs> that is so good. Oh my gosh. Okay, and listen, don't worry. We um we do know the word green. We say that for, for new and oh, ignorant. Right. And I started it I started out green as well. Um, and I love, I love, I must be part Welsh because I do love the dark side. Uh, yes. and I, I do, I am, um, not in a horrible way. I always love to, to have hope and light, but I have yes. my, my parents and my, my, um, siblings, they always accuse me of, of really having a dark sense of humor. Um, yes. Yeah, that seeing the dark side in, in oh, lots of stuff. Creative mind yeah. though, oh, okay. Well. I feel better now. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's um there's this other story that is um it's set in a in, in an abandoned uh like French chapel. And um there's there it's so creepy because there's like this um so the okay, so this what made you deal with that because it's, it's isn't it about the uh, a cemetery yeah that, cem- that was a ghost story yeah. um that one is actually sent set like you said in france most of my stories are set in wales yeah but my husband and i went to france a few years ago on holidays yeah and we stayed in a in a traditional gite in a little french village and yeah. the owner said to us if you can because she knew my husband was a photographer she said visit this little p- place called um, La Chapelle Secret, okay. the, the secret chapel, and she sort of gave us directions to it, and it was the most incredible place I have uh, ever been in wow. my life. Okay, it was. We had to go back. We had to spend two days out of the week there. It's built in a French gorge, so you you park near a farm and you walk about two miles along a farm track, okay. following the river, and eventually um, you come to a gorge. And then you see in front of you, hidden in the woods, this tiny little French chapel that's now abandoned. Oh, wow. And it's just so atmospheric. And you think to yourself, how on earth did they even build it in the middle of a gorge, you know, a stone gorge? Right. Yeah. So that one was published by Cemetery Gates Media in an anthology called Picnic in the Graveyard. And that one is is a ghost story story. told from the point of view of a young girl it's, it's, a, it's a historic horror okay. um, a young girl who used to attend the church and they made a sacrifice every when the, when the river got angry she threatened the, vi- the river threatened the village and they would have to sacrifice someone to the sort of voice of the river So and this girl was chosen as a sacrifice and so when visitors come to the churchyard now she follows them and she tries to tell them her story and one of the things about this chapel was which I included in the story you go in and it's completely empty okay there's all you know 
dirt and grime and spiders webs and bird poo and everything yeah. else but the only there's no furniture in there other than right at the front of the church there's a stone altar and it's a great big stone slab and what was so weird is that this place is so far from anywhere and so derelict and yet on this altar there were flowers and fruits and that the whole altar was full of flowers and fruits and lots of postcards and letters written in French so because I don't speak French, I really don't know what that was about, but it was it was just so incredible, you know, really incredible. Oh. And uh, my husband did some incredible photography there as well. One of his photographs ended up being published recently in a literary magazine wow. of the secret chapter, actually. It's called an overlay photos where you where you sort of put different photos on top of photos to make a new one. Yeah. And the journal that was featured in was by the Four-Faced Liar, which is an English, uh, sorry, an Irish literary journal. So wow. his work was published. That's incredible. It's just an incredible place. Incredible. Yeah, because uh, what I find fascinating about some of your work is, is I would want to, now I want to go to France and check out that chapel because it's, yeah. that's maybe not at night, def- definitely not at night, but um, it, mm-hmm. it makes you want to travel and check out these places. And we know that you've yeah. created stories around them, but they seem like travel destination pieces. It's just, maybe one day they'll create a, a trip based on lots of your stories and <laughs> the places you can travel. Ooh, that'd be fun. Um, but then but there's you- always the little out of the way places that are the, are the most special, not the great big tourist places right. that everybody hears of and everybody crowds to. It's always those little secret places where you end up being the only people there. Yes. Yeah. And places that the locals tell you are interesting. Those are really important yeah. and get overlooked, just yeah. like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but you also you also do psychological um, suspense, which is quite different. Um, tell us a little bit about um, a moonlit path of madness. Okay, a moonlit path of madness is my recent gothic. Um, hor- ho- I say horror novel. I yeah. don't class myself as a horror writer. Yeah. I mean, I-, I write what would be termed quiet horror, which yeah. is more sort of creeping dread and suspense yeah. rather than there's, there's no gore you you won't you know you won't find any sort of really bad murders or anything in, yeah. in my books it's, it's more the old gothic way um so that one was set in a little place not far from here on the coast called Newport Parog ah. and um that's that's a ghost story of a woman who, well, I say a ghost story, I'm like that's kind of giving them something away that isn't quite true. Yeah. But it starts off in Vermont because the character starts off by living in Vermont and then she inherits a house in Wales. Okay. The New- Newport Park Parog is one of our favourite places. We go there every few weeks. It's just an incredible place Ooh. right on the sea. Um, and so she comes with her maid, Lila, and she comes to live in Wales. But there are a lot of secrets in the family. Um, Her mother suffered mental health issues, and Grace starts to wonder whether this mental health problem is something that's supernatural, or is it just an inherited trait? Because she discovers once she comes to Wales that her grandmother suffered the same thing, though it was never spoken about in the family. 
And wow. so basically, it's, it's suspense in, in that her journey is all about discovering the secrets of the family's past. Yes. And what, it, because there's a bit like the woman in white, if you know what I mean. Yeah. There's a woman, she keeps seeing this woman, as did her mother. I can't give too much away there because okay. it would reveal the end. Yeah. But um, she wants to know, you know, is this a ghost? Or is it something that's purely psychological? So that one's very atmospheric and, like I say, set by the sea. Okay. And tell me about that place again. Where where is that? It's called Newport Parog. And it's it's a little ex-fishing village um, a few miles from us in Pembrokeshire on the West Wales coast. Okay. Um, A very sleepy little place, you know? Yeah. Okay. So now now it's another place, you you know, I want to travel and check out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the premise of some of your stories is they're just so fascinating because they may deal with things that we are afraid of anyway, you know, like... um, death um abandoned graveyards yeah. just, um, yeah. or churches you know um thinking you're into to church for a good reason and then you're being sacrificed <laughs> i mean i mean and th- those are usually and you know the the scary thing about it is that it has happened right um it's yes. not how it's supposed to be uh if, if yeah. <laughs> that was not the intent of most churches right but um because people are twisted and dark, they end up doing twisted yeah. and dark things. And so you mix something that's supposed to like light with darkness, like, oh, I'm going to church. I'm going to feel good today. And then you're like, what? It's my turn to get sacrificed. Yes. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and then, then, so there's this other one, and I don't know, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's called Immortal. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Immortal um, is a novella that was published in 2021 by Off Limits Press. That one, again, is set on the coast in Wales. There's a tiny little church. um, So picture a little tiny cove of a beach and then a grassy mountain behind and then a tiny, tiny little white Welsh church. And it's in a little place called Munt. Hmm. um, And there's a little hamlet close by. So I don't know if you've heard of Immortals, but they were grave furniture, basically the memorials to yeah. the dead that they used a lot in Victorian times. They're yes. very common in Wales, yeah. um, and they sort of little ceramic um, items placed on a kind of plate or in a dish, and then they have a glass bowl put over them for protection, and usually a wire cage, and these these little immortals that I see particularly in the ancient churches around you fascinated me because you'll see little different flowers inside and little birds and so on so I imagined a ceramicist who makes personalised immortals for people who die in the area Uh so for example she makes one for a sea captain for his wife and it includes a little sailing ship with the name of his ship on and things like that Mm. but then her daughter um gets murdered mm-hmm. and so she has to make an immortal for her daughter's mm-hmm. grave and all the time she's making that she's visited by the spirit of her daughter in the form of a robin wow. and her story of how she died how she became murdered got murdered is unveiled to her through the immortal wow so so th- that again and the cover is yeah, so oh okay so that's why the bird is on that cover so yeah, that is um, that's creepy because if if I've traveled a lot and 
I, for some reason, you end up going to graveyards. I don't know why that's that's yes. a thing. I, and I'll tell you, for instance, um, um, like England, that graveyards are a, a big thing. Um, and you're right, the Victorian grave. You're like, why is that there? This is really interesting. And even yeah. even um, the country that my my parents were born in. My parents are my my mother's from Portugal. Portuguese roots and my father is um, Scottish and black, which is a very long story. But let's (laughs) focusing on Jamaican culture. um, It was really common by now. Now they're really trying to outlaw that, but you'll go there um, and there are grave sites um, on people's lawns, right? Um, Or in the backyard. That's, that was common because people built a house and they just stayed there and it stayed in the family and it was handed down from family to family. Now that people are, people um, move around a lot more, it's not as common, but uh, there was so much history in looking at the the grave sites and looking at the different symbols and the things that you can learn so much. And you took something that is like a historic thing and made this incredible story about it which is so terrifying yeah. because um, these it's like the spirit of the dead starts inhabiting, speaking yeah. to this lady, this, um, this artist through her, the things yeah. that she creates, which yeah. is very um, terrifying. Um, and then mm-hmm. helps actually solving her, her daughter's murder. And then you got to read the rest to yeah. find out what she does. Cause she, yes. she becomes a bad lady, <laughs> which you know what it it talks and what what I like about this is there's so there's a there is a psychological edge to it because I'm yeah. a mom right and you you yeah. you as a teacher you feel like your mom because you keep on yeah. referring to the kids as your yes, your children yes. so absolutely so um, we understand that mama complex and yeah. if something happens somebody does something to our babies. Yes. You could just feel yourself becoming a monster. Like I, you know, the, I, I, I would be a mama bear. I would. And then if the unthinkable happens, you just, you know, most of us, we're reined in by, you know, um, not yeah. wanting to be, you know, in jail forever. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. And there's like, we shouldn't kill people. So, you know, there goes that. So, but this is, um, I think this is like, what if someone is pushed to the edge and it's, it's not inconceivable. Yeah. I think all of us can f- say, Hey, if somebody did something horrible to someone we dearly loved our child, yeah. right. Uh, or, you know, our class, our children in our class, like, man, we, we yes. want to do something. We want to get back. We want revenge. And that's, I think yes. that story is a lot about revenge. Um, it absolutely is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. You, um, you you are are truly truly fascinating. Um, yes, I am serious. Um, so, so this is sort of a fun, lighthearted question, and um, I just wanted to know, as an author, what would you choose as your mascot, your avatar, like your spirit or spirit animal? What would you say sums you up? Yeah, I think I definitely have to go with some kind of bird there. I'm probably uh, a crotchety old crow. <laughs> Okay. Um, I think you know probably eighty percent of the stories I write feature birds, birds in okay. a very prominent way. Yeah. For example, in a moonlit path of madness, 
um, the jay's feather is very important. As I said to you with um, Immortel, it was a robin. Yeah. Um, in, you know, I, I definitely, again, again in, in Mosaic, um, the one that I've recently had published, mm-hmm. it's a crow. Right. And the crow gifts the person, the, the main character, little clues. Uh-huh. Um, so definitely birds. But I, I mean, I think that's partly comes from where I live here yeah. in the old part of West Wales. And there's a woodland behind me and I hear the owls and lots of birds and woodpeckers and goodness knows what. But there's this real spiritual thing with birds, you yeah. know. Yeah. And um Again, in a wolf, uh, um, the wolf and the favour that's coming out in October, right. Robin is quite important in that one as well. So definitely some kind of bird. And the, I was thinking of our first question where we talked about friends online, yeah. and I mentioned Tim McGregor, my Canadian friend. Yes, and he, he actually labels me the bird whisperer. Oh. <laughs> Wow, that's a compliment to us bird lovers. I live I live in a preserve and my family they think I've gone completely nuts. So I named the birds, lots of name, quite a few yes. of them. And um I feed them. I mean they're on I mean yeah. I feed them a lot. And um because I want them to come by my window by my where my office yes. is and I want to watch them. I've got hummingbirds yes. like you, yeah, so you start learn Love and them. I didn't know anything about the different kinds of birds but being able to identify what kind of bird there they are they do have their own personality some of them are bossy they're some of them are loud yeah. um some of them are not as there i have these um i have these one set of and they come in pairs that's which is really interesting and, and sometimes there's a little family and i have these birds yeah. they're not they're sort of they're um i can be out there um, get setting up the bird feeders are doing, and they're kind of in the trees. Like, come on, lady, hurry up! And they're go- going yes, on. That's and right. then sometimes they just get impatient, and they just they're like, oh, whatever. They just come down, and they're. <laughs> and most most birds are not like that. So yes, I love that he yeah. said you're the bird whisperer because <laughs> birds are very very interesting. I don't know that we give them Absolutely. enough credit. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, and you wonder. Yeah, you wonder sometimes. Ah, oh, is this bird like? Could I, this would be a great story. Like, um, uh, I remember at when my, unfortunately, this is really sad. My mother and brother died eight weeks apart. It was horrible. Right. And this happened yeah, not, yeah. not that long ago. Right. And you know, when people are, and it was, and it was just horrible, horrible, the, the timing of it oh. and all that. And, um, yeah. and then, and people, they want to show how their love and we got, yeah. We, I, I, I don't know that I've seen this other than someone who's a dignitary. I mean, so many plants, so many flowers. And I just, yeah. I knew that this was expensive because I know flowers. And yeah. I, I actually replanted some of the, I didn't know that this would take, but I tried. I tried to plant, replant some of them in my yard. Some of them took, especially the ferns. Ferns will grow anywhere. But I had, it was so weird. I would have like these, these birds that would would revisit and I was like imagine and this is not Christian based I and I am a Christian and uh, but I, I thought it would make for a great story um I just imagined that these two birds that came was my mom was the spirit of my mom and my brother yeah and yeah. They, they were just really into and into the being around these flowers and and all of that yeah. Um, and so sometimes we can, I'm, I'm like, there's a story there. One day I'm going to write a story yes. about this. 
because yeah. it's like these birds were intuitive if that makes any I know sense exactly what you mean. You, yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah, they definitely. they understood the grief and it's like they came to visit me to yeah. give me sweetness yeah I know it sounds crazy yeah. but if you're a bird person no. you will get this <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Because there's a scene at the beginning of A Moonlit Path of Madness where Grace is with her mother at her mother's bedside when her mother dies. Yeah. And that scene is actually taken from my own experience because I lost my mother with a brain tumour. And um, we were all with her at at the end. I won't, you know, I won't go into detail. I don't want to depress people. Right. But it was was in the winter. It was in March, which is still real winter over here. She actually died on my birthday. No wonder I have have a dark side to me. But um, we were all in the little, I know, we were all in the little hospital room and it was two o'clock in the morning and we knew, you know, the the time had come. You you can tell and you've got nurses there and so on. And the the room was stiflingly hot, even though it was winter, you know, our hospital. Yeah. <laughs> it was my mother's last moments. Oh. And we had the window open, right? Yes. And the, the, the hospital sort of backed onto a little area where there were trees and it was silent, completely silent, two o'clock in the morning. Yes. And this is honest truth, right? Yeah. The moment my mother died, the birds started singing outside the window in the trees. And I've gone all shivery just saying it. And that, and, and the, the air was full of birdsong. And it was just incredible at two o'clock in the morning. If it had been dawn, I would have understood. But not like literally in the middle of night in winter. Yeah. It was the strangest experience. And again, I put that into the story because that's my way of sort of coming to terms with things. Yes. You know, and I know my mother was quite like me, actually. So she would have appreciated I yeah. quite like the fact that I turned that into a story as well. She wouldn't have offended her at all, you know. Oh my goodness! That see, see now you get me. So now you would understand. Like this yeah, is really ironic, right? This is yeah. wow, um, wow! What a neat story. I absolutely love it. I can just see the image. You know, the sadness. You're there in that room, and it's stifling. You op- the window is open to this like forest area I imagine I could just see it in my mind right now and the the moment of yeah. her passing that you hear all yeah. these these birds that are supposed to be sleeping and if you know birds birds are not yes. chirping at 2 a.m. 2 in the morning maybe five exactly. or six yes <laughs> you yes. like really people yeah but but 2 a.m. that is very unusual it's yeah, that, yeah. That, so the irony and then we and then we um we knit that together with our creative side and there goes the story, you know? Yes. Wow. Oh my goodness. Well, I, in my mind, I feel that you are quite successful and do what you do really well. But to you, is there another level of literary success that you were looking to achieve? Um, for me, I, I know this isn't the case for most people probably really want like a big career out of writing. Yeah. But my career was as a teacher. So I do this for the sake of my my own mental health. <laughs> in that, you know, I've always been quite an anxious person. I'm not mentally ill, yeah. <laughs> though some might disagree. No, seriously, I'm not. But I am an anxious person, but I have all these thoughts going around in my head and all these images. So for me... The purpose of main purpose of writing is to be able to focus those thoughts and energy. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just about two things really. It's contentment, mm-hmm. even more than happiness, because I'm one of these people like, what is happiness? Is it right. really tangible? Yes. Contentment is, yeah. and that sense of. F- 
fulfillment and being at peace with yourself and the world is the biggest thing you can wish for. And then I like to see that my own progress I'm not a competitive person with others at all. Yeah. I really do. I, I think we need to be there for each other. Yes. But I, I I like to look back on my old work and think, good grief, I wouldn't have written that now. Or, you know, <laughs> seeing my own person, learning little tips and going forward just for myself, really, more yeah. than anything. Yeah. So that, that's what success looks like to me, rather than making huge amounts of money and so on. Yeah. <laughs> that's just personal. Yeah. Although I don't think you would mind, and I'm I'm hoping for that for you. You know, I want to see I want to see some of your stories as I want to see some of your stories as movies, Netflix series. I don't know. Yes. I, would, I would totally binge on on the. I would be scared, but I would binge. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and I love that mosaic in particular. Yes. I would say mosaic. Very, uh, very. You know, that would make a fantastic. I know. I know. I sound. You know. It's not very nice to say it for yourself, but Mosaic would make a tremendous movie. The piecing together of the stained glass window and the unveiling of the deity, that would be a, a great movie. And again, back to the church, because this is this is about yeah, I know. Um, the stained glass artist who is um, restoring a church window. And then, yes. then um, she's this particular person is dealing with her own personal de- demons. And then she... Yes. She unveil she she kind of unveils this um, whole um, conspiracy there to like yes. awaken something like bad. Oh my yes. gosh! Yes, you're right. That would be so good. Mm. Yes. Oh, very visual. Very visual. Um, very terrifying. Um, anyway, I'm glad my church personally is a happy place. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh! Um, but. Oh my goodness, you're so you are very creative. And I love that you touched on something saying that, you know, to happiness, is it really tangible? I think we live in we can live in states of happiness. Um yeah. but we've got to be careful about living to be happy because yes. uh, that can be based on your circumstances. You know, like if our if our yeah. mothers die, right, Catherine? Yeah. My my namesake, yeah. we just we just have the I'm the yeah. K, you're the C. Um, that's right we're we're definitely not happy when that is taking no. place and like you no. my myself and my siblings were around my mother's bedside and we were there when she yeah. transitioned and that's a whole thing yeah but um oh, it yeah it's you're just forever changed watching someone pass like you that are. that you love you are, you are a- absolutely yeah. forever changed but you yeah. you wouldn't say i wouldn't say oh i'm just happy that is just crazy to say but yeah I have to say, like you, living to be content, and I feel also mm. to put also to add to that, living to be to be grateful. I I came away yeah. devastated. My mother, yes. other than my my husband, he he's my best friend, and I yeah. have I have a few really yeah. good friends, but my mom yeah. was my first best friend, and Absolutely. not happy, but I left yeah. feeling content that I was there with her. I left feeling that I yeah. knew she had lived a life that I knew she would be in heaven. Yeah. I would see her again. And I also felt gratitude that God had blessed me with a mother that like I had. And she had lived yeah. on, at least she had lived till 80. And many people don't yeah, get yeah. to enjoy that. And, That's right. yeah, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think you, I think you really hit 
you really hit on to something very important that living for contentment and not being competitive. Yeah. And I think, I think lots of authors, it's one of the best careers if you want to find people who are going to support you and not try yeah. to be competitive against you. Yes. I'm more competitive against myself. And you're right. Yes, you look back at your old stuff and you're like, really? I could have done that so much better. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> well, I I have so enjoyed my time with you, oh, Catherine. This um, this um, interview is definitely going down in the books. It's one of my favorites because you're just oh, so oh, interesting. So I could definitely be on here talking to you for hours, but you know what? To avoid that, <laughs> we're going to have to have you come back. That's all. That, we're just going to have to do that, right? Well, I can't do <laughs> but in the oh. in the meantime, you've got to share how our listeners can stay in touch with you. Um, but before that, I have I, there's one question that I don't send I just kind of want to put you on the spot a little bit because I want the I want the real thing so do you write do you do you have to write where it's quiet or do you play music um definitely quiet quiet okay although I have certain um pieces of music or songs that match the thing yeah. I'm writing for yeah. sure but I can't actually play them at exactly the same time yes I have to have quiet when I'm writing okay so my husband has actually um composed a little piece of music for me for the wolf and the favor wow and so that'll that'll be online out there once the book is released yeah How he fun. writes music as well and it really so sometimes maybe before I would start a writing session I would listen to that because wow. it totally takes there aren't any um lyrics so it's just a piece of music and it takes me to the setting where the book is written oh that's so good so. that's so good <laughs> I, okay, so sometimes, and sometimes pieces have their personalities. There's one book I wrote. Yeah. I wrote it to this. There, uh, if you don't know him, oh, I tell everybody to, to go check him out. His he's his name is Gregory Porter. He's kind of like a jazz artist. Nice. Um, he's this former football nice. player. This big, tall, black guy. You would never think that he would be yeah. wearing an ascot and having the cello yeah. played behind him. He's just such a phenomenal, yeah. smart musician. I wrote an entire book to everything he's saying. Um, but then there's some, there's some pieces I have to have it quiet, but in a, and what's weird because I'm a musician and trained classically, yeah. I will have right. classical. I'm like this, you're right. This music yeah. goes to this piece right here. And sometimes yeah. I'll just, I'm like, okay, this is a thriller. I'll listen to, um, the soundtrack to like a action thriller and it gets me in the mood yes. and then I turn it off and I get to write yeah. it. So all we do all kinds yeah. of things and I just want to find out what other authors do now. Okay. Do you, what are your, what are your go-to drinks when you're writing and snacks? Um, I have an afternoon coffee mm-hmm. in, in Wales. We tend to be real teapots. Right. Mm-hmm. So most of the time it's tea, but yes, luckily I actually enjoy drinking water. Yeah. That's my main cold drink, so I'm really boring. <laughs> so, but yeah, I do have an afternoon coffee when I'm writing. Okay, okay, same. I'm, I'm my the drinks that we have here in the house. They're for other people who visit because we're just a water family. Yeah. And we because yeah. of my the British background and also um, Jamaican. Yeah. Tons of tea. Yeah. And yes. and coffee. Yeah. Okay. And what about snacks? Do you, do you have snacks? Um, well, I try not to snack because 
I think at my age, you tend to poet on a little bit more easily. So if I am hungry, <laughs> I would probably get up and go and get a few dried apricots. Oh, okay. That's healthy. <laughs> dried apricots. Okay. I got to try. I got yeah. to lean into that more. That is fantastic. I'm a real chocolate but I try to stay off the chocolate apart from once a week. So yeah. I, I don't have any in the house. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I, it's true. When you keep the things in the house, you tend to go and find them, no matter how much you yeah, hide yeah. them for, for yourself. I'm a yes. dark, chocolate, dark chocolate girl, too. Um, but I tend Oh, yeah, to, dark chocolate. Yeah, I tend to reward myself. I'll do things like, okay, Catherine, if you get to chapter such and such, you can have a little piece of dark chocolate when you're done. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, tell us how can our listeners stay in touch with you? Okay, um... Well, via my website, which I imagine you'll put the link up when you put this up. I sure I'm will. I'm assuming, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, on my website, there's a link to um, my Substack newsletter mm-hmm. where I try to post every week about what's happened in that week and um, little updates and honest things from the heart. Like this week, for example, I spoke about acceptance and rejection mm-hmm. in the in the writing world. Yeah. Um, and so that that's a nice one for people to sort of keep up to date with my latest news okay. as far as social media goes i would say twitter or x as it is now called i know it's definitely yeah yeah it's definitely my main platform okay. so twitter yeah. and yeah. okay and i am on instagram okay. well but twitter is my main one is your main one okay and so your website is super simple it's your name it's www.katherine-mccarthy-m-c-c-a-r-t-h-y um, I think that's it, right? Dash author. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, and that's yeah. where you'll find all the things you are going to love her website. It is absolutely fantastic. I do suggest oh. you sign up for her newsletter and find out, um, what she's up to. And, um, you've got to, you've got to come back, Catherine. There, there's that, right? I will. <laughs> I will. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. It has. It's been so much fun. I just, I just, I'm fantasizing about, you know, going to, um, having to go to Wales and then a meeting, yes. meeting you somewhere for, for tea. Yes. And I'll chocolate. take you to Newport Harbor. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. You never know. It can, it think these things can happen. Yeah. 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 So, so in the interim, Listeners, I am so grateful for you guys. Um, Thank you for joining us. Thank you for hanging out during this amazing time with our new friend, Catherine McArthur. And please don't forget to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word.